to Swing Thoughts, the, I don't know, radio, the non-radio version, just the podcast, although I'm, I don't like to say just the podcast, I mean, come on, this is what a we do. Podcast. A podcast, a uh, wonderful time spending uh, a few minutes geeking out with one of my favorite golf nerds, Tim O'Connor, O'ConnorGolf.ca. Uh, my name's Howard Glassman, Humble and Fred Show, and golf spiritual leader. Mostly I have a flock of one. <laughs> Mostly leading myself. Well, as long as you know where you're going. Uh, today's show is called uh, Tim and Howard's Excellent Tournament Adventure, and uh, we'll tell you why a little bit later. Uh, we just had a great little discussion about running into some people that have enjoyed the podcast. And, you know, like, we don't really talk about it too much, but it's it's very exciting. And, you know, maybe just describe you and I ran into sort, into sort of the same guy. Mm-hmm. Um, he reached out to me uh, via email, and uh, you, you were recognized as the great Tim O'Connor, Coach Tim, on the range <laughs> yesterday. Well, those are those are your adjectives, okay? <laughs> no, it was funny. Yeah, I was at Glen Karen, your club, yesterday. By the way, you just uh, missed me. I left there at three uh, thirty, quarter to four. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I'm there with friend of show, early friend of show, Ronan Quinn. Mm. And your name came up. We're talking about the show, and then this guy comes over, very nice man, glasses, lovely English accent. And he goes, "I thought I recognized that voice," you know. Tim, I enjoy your show and all this, and he just told me um, how it's made a real difference in his game, and and that's lovely to hear. Yeah, um, as you and I were saying a few minutes ago, like seconds ago before we hit record, you know, I I know him in passing. He's a friend of a friend, but he reached out to me. I'd never really spoken to him on my own, and he left me a number. He just wanted to say the same thing, and you know, the show has had an impact on how he approaches the game and probably more importantly, how he derives more enjoyment. And a lot of the things, you know, I won't get into the specifics, but a lot of the things that he shared with me, and I'm sure he would have with you with more time, were just what we all feel, mm-hmm. which is self-consciousness around how we look while playing the game, comma, especially with other people, colon <laughs> worse when it's people that we perceive that are better than us yeah and it, it took so, me a long time to get over that it did it still absolutely. does so so just for uh for folks to know we're recording this at 7 a.m which is way earlier so when you do the when we do the early version yeah we include grammar and punctuation <laughs> <laughs> i thought you were going to say when we do the early version i've got my uh my real humble and Fred voice on. It's the one. Yeah, you're, 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 uh, I always call it the, the jazz DJ voice. <laughs> Miles well, Davis song stylings. What it is is because usually when we record the show, it's later in the morning. But like, I start off every day with this voice, and then yeah, the exactly. you know the, which is uh, a lovely voice too. Uh, I could, I could, voice, if you want, I could, uh, I could make it more sexy if that's what you're looking for. Not on the podcast. <laughs> anyway, we're talking about uh, how people feel yeah, playing golf think, with other people. Right. And, wow, I've been through that. I think all golfers have, if they're honest with themselves. There's times in which you know, we wonder, 
really, I think the greatest thing that people have going is how will I look? Yeah. Because they're concerned, how will they be judged, evaluated, and they start comparing themselves. And that's a rabbit hole that just, ugh, just don't want to go down. And I think that if there's something that, that we can provide in terms of the things we talk about on that show is just awareness that that stuff comes up. And and when we're aware that it's happening, we kind of go, ugh, I don't really need to do that. <laughs> that doesn't help me at all. And you can start to let go of it. So, but it's just so natural for us to do. It's right from, you know, it's like being in grade 10, wondering if the T-shirt you wore to school is going to pass muster as being cool or not. Of course, if you if you were in grade 10 and used the phrase pass muster, I'm guessing it wouldn't. <laughs> um, you know, by the way, this show is brought to you by TaylorMade Golf. What a season using uh, TaylorMade equipment. And... Uh, you know, they've always got new stuff coming out. And uh, thanks to everyone, uh, Nick and, and uh, Kevin there treated us so well this year. And thanks again. Uh, you know, I can't tell you how many times I've heard this when somebody that didn't know me or, you know, I've heard this phrase, oh, you wouldn't want to play with me because I'm no good. And I always counter it by saying, Nobody is any good, <laughs> you know, That's like right. all, no matter how good you think somebody is, you know, like I've played with guys that are way better than me. You know, Charles, our friend of show and, and my buddy, Charles Fitzsimmons, you know, the guy's a plus two or a plus three plays at the highest level. Just recently finished second in the Ontario Mid-Am, which was played a few weeks ago. Uh, he's better than me. And when I first started playing with him and then when I first started playing with him as a partner, I was very self-conscious, conscious of the idea that, man, he's so much better. He never misses a shot, blah, 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 blah. Well, you know, given enough time, I've played with Charles when he sucked, you know, because you do from time to time. Dustin Johnson shot 80. Trust me, so can Chucky. You know what I mean? And, and what it just, oh, yeah. and, and, but I, I use that as an illustration as to how much time did I waste thinking, you know, he was you know, perfect, and I wasn't. And that's what I think some of that self-conscious behavior comes out of, right? Absolutely. And as you, we were talking, again, before the show, it, I think you're talking about a, a T-shirt you're going to get made up that no one cares. Well, no, that, I mean, that's, that's one of the things I've heard. I said this recently on the show. I think it was the Mike Marshall show, but I've had a bunch of guys say that to me, that we really should get, because I did this joke that golfers should just walk around with a t-shirt that says, you know, no one cares about your game. I'm thinking about me. You know, yeah. you know, uh, what's my next shot? I don't care about you. Because in between shots, golfers aren't going, oh, Tim just hit one off the tree. They're thinking, what do I have to do not to hit one off the tree? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. No one cares. I remember shooting something like 105. Mm -hmm. uh, in a in a golf writers tournament years ago, and I was like really embarrassed to hang in my hand in my scorecard. And when I did, no one cared. They just like saw me in the bar. Hey Tim, how's it going? Really, folks, if there's anything you really could pick up from this, is that when you play with anyone of any ability, all they want you to do is keep up, tell good stories, <laughs> and that's really it. Be be an agreeable sort. Yeah. Turn the thing around when you putt the thing, the dongly thing. Turn that around. The dongly thing. You know, no, then when you putt. Oh, when right. you're a putt, when, that's all people want, you know? 
I keep up with this microphone. No, thing. I was talking. I was talking about what you were just talking about. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You or know the, the dongly thing, or the, whatever you, whatever pin. you guys. I'm so sick of that thing. I know, I know the pin caddy. You know, uh, I had a putt yesterday. I was. I, I gotta talk about my round with my two brothers. But I had a putt yesterday where the shadow of the flag. So the the, not the flag. The the, what's the long thing called? <laughs> the flag stick. Thank you. The flag stick. <laughs> <laughs> what's that thing called? The flag stick. I had the shadow we're over the f- sixty. We can help each other. We could fill in this space, dude. It's, we're just <laughs> half the time now with Fred. It's like old guys playing. What's that word? Uh, <laughs> exactly. Um, but I had the shadow of the flag stick and the flag whipping. At about a six foot putt, and I finally asked one of my brothers, I said, "Could you just do me a favor and just hold the top of that flag so it's not whipping while I'm putting?" Because, you know, we're so used to, especially guy guys our age, we're so used to being able to take the the flag out. Even before, forget the fact that it's legal to leave it in. I almost never did, but it's we, we miss a little bit of that etiquette. Let me get the flag for you. You know, knowing, knowing that once you put it out, you know, you're going to put the flag back in. You had a job to do when you put it out. Your job became, <laughs> your job became to take your flag or to pick up somebody's wedge. You could yeah, yeah. It. You know, just etiquette. Yeah. And uh, although it's, you know, the old j- golf joke. Hey, Tim, do you know how much the flag weighs? And you're, you always go, why? Well, because you haven't picked it up all day. You th- you're the only guy I ever heard, besides my dad, who used that really... Awful joke, but they, no. But I'm, you know, that's what guys would do. Hey, you know, yeah. yeah can yeah. you get? Is it your turn yet? But um, <laughs> anyway, I find it distracting on shorter yeah. putts. I mean, I got used to it, but I really still do. I look at four and five footers sometimes. And I'm like, there's a lot of stuff going on in that hole. <laughs> yeah. You know? At at Blue Springs during the uh, the senior club championship about a month or so ago, on fifteen. <laughs> <laughs> I think somebody got a little angry with the the uh, dongly thing because it was just smashed apart. Yeah, <laughs> and we had to like unscrew the top of the thing you know, <laughs> to, to get, get the flag off and like get get it off there because I mean there's like spare parts like hanging out all over the place. That's funny. So that somebody, sounds. I think, got a little upset. I, I would tell you that sounds exactly like the kind of thing I do. Used to do. I still do from time to time. I still tomahawk the flag itself sometimes. How about yourself? Do you tomahawk yourself? No, I've actually gone through an entire golf season and not smashed my own shins with a putter. <laughs> Yay, Howard. You're just growing and learning. Exactly. Um, I want to talk a little bit about our tournament here in a moment or two. Um. I did want to mention that, like I sort of just mentioned a minute ago, I played the last two days, the Glass Masters, we call it, which is rare. Both of my brothers have been on this show, along with your brother, Pat. And uh, Stephen is a television producer from Edmonton. My older brother, David, is a psychologist from Calgary. They both, you know, I I watched them play the last couple of days. I played two rounds with David, one round with Stephen. And at one point, I was struck by their golf DNA like they both have good grips because my father taught us all how to hold the club you know if you saw them 
separate from me. You think, yeah, they, you know, they really do put their hands on nicely. My my brother Stephen does something I never noticed before, but it's a a real Lou Glassman thing where he taps his his club just before he takes it back. My dad used to do that, and it's funny because I noticed it. Pardon me. The Lou Legacy. Well, it's funny. It's I, I haven't played very much with Stephen over the last few years, more so with my older brother David. But uh, and, and and you know you, you know I'm a guy that just notices how people set up and all that stuff. And I sort of noticed after a couple of holes that I'm like, where have I seen that before? That little That's tapping so cool. motion. And then I couldn't take my eyes off it because it was almost it was almost nostalgic, right? Because that's exactly. exactly what my dad did. That's beautiful. Love that. So that was great. Uh, they both, you know, and, and this will be good for you because they're they're both guys that, with some guidance, can shoot much lower than they do on average. Although every so often they shoot. Maybe an 83, I think, was Steve's best. 82 or 3 would be David's best. But on average, in the high 80s and low 90s. And they're perfect. They're the perfect golfer, man or woman, for stuff that we talk about. Because it's all decisions. It's all. It's not ability. Because I I'm hung around these guys for a couple of days. And they have the ability to hit most golf shots and and Steven in particular is a very straight driver of the ball doesn't try and do too much with it hits a lot of fairways but then you say and, and having observed them for two days you sort of go well where where do most of their strokes get eaten up and Timmy it's all the stuff we talk about it's the two chipping it's the three putting it's some decisions although they're pretty good at that and pretty soon, uh, uh, you're by a par four and two, two, but you make a six. And it just keeps adding up to an 88 or a 92 versus an 82 or an 85. What say you, muster man? Well, I think I, I like where you're going there with it's about the decisions you make. It all starts with the, d- the decision. You know, if you're going to take on, you know, let's say, you know, 210 to uh, to a green, you got water right, uh, death over, you know, long grass left. Well, if you try and hit that perfect shot into that green, you bring all that stuff into play. And so what's going to happen is there's going to be tension. There's going to be all this concern about the result. You know, you're going to be anticipating the result before you even hit the ball. And that all just leads to a really crappy swing. <laughs> so that decision really puts you kind of behind the eight ball, if you will, from the start, rather than what if I just ran a five iron up to the front and then I could chip it on. And maybe if I catch a break, it catches that little ramp or something and mm-hmm. pulls on. So I, I'm with you 100%. I, Ronan and I played uh, last night uh, from the Golds at um, Glencairn last night at Scotch Block. So that mm-hmm. part five, we yeah. talked about that. And it was quite funny. So there we are, you know. Neither of us are have uh, we're kind of both uh, vertically challenged, shall we say? <laughs> Not the biggest guys. And, and there we go, sauntered to the gold tees. I hit a hybrid. He hits it like a five wood. On the and on I, the first hole. On the first hole. Yeah, because there's no there's no reason putting yourself in the bunk. I mean, you know, you could. Here's the thing on that first hole. There, you can hit driver as long as your target is so far right. That even if you snap hook it, you won't go in that that first pot bunker because then the hole becomes like well you've hit it in a hazard. 
Yeah, but I just aimed right at those bunkers and hit With a hybrid. hybrid. Perfect. Then you lay and up short of the next bunker, on in three, and it's easy to make five. Yeah, I'd like to say that uh, the next shot was perfect. <laughs> actually, it was hilarious. I, 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 I actually, I worm burned <laughs> next shot right into the bunker. But I ended up making bogey. Um, you know, I just kept, oh boy. What, so what did you it. hit that you worm burned it into that bunker? Was it a hybrid? Uh, I think or it was a hybrid. I think it was another hybrid. See, and that's I don't I don't like the hybrid there. You don't need to hit it because well, all- I I thought that the hybrid would would leave me um, kind of about one thirty, yeah, one thirty ish. Yeah, and and I, I I was hitting to the right side. The pin was left. Well, so. you can't account for worm burning, but I get no, it. It's and, a, and that it's was the right idea. One- worm burner but anyways the point is is that um so for the rest of the round you know we're playing this big long course Mm -hmm. and and in preparation of our tournament this weekend which we're going to get to exactly but you know i was talking with ed collin uh last week and he calls that um jigsaw golf Mm -hmm. and you're kind of just plotting your way around you're checking the you got a bunch of pieces you got some choices and it just and actually i'll connect too with um it's mindful. Yeah. It's not just, you know, par four, grab a driver. It's like, okay, what am I thinking about here? And um, remind me, we got to get Ellen Langer back. I'm listening to her audio book on mindfulness. Mm. Wow. It's well, so applicable to golf. For sure. But, you know, that, that evening that you and I went out and played nine holes, you know, you, you, you saw how I play the game now. I just, yeah, absolutely. I just try and put enough pieces together that add up to a score. Like, I just handed in some scores, and I looked at my Golf Canada. Like, you know, my handicap is about the same. Ironically, I'm going to end the season somewhere with it with a one-point-something differential, which is about the same as it was last year. But then I went and looked at last year's scores, and they were way more erratic, way more, you know, I'd have a really low round and then a really high round. And, and now this year... My average rounds are just kind of in the middle. And I mean, part of that is a bit frustrating because I'm like, wow, I'm really playing some good golf. I'd like to shoot 70 once in a while. But what I'm not doing is anything that will get me too much beyond my average score. The other day I played with a uh, kid who's six foot eight. (laughs) He's 25 years old and he's a a budding tour player. He's uh, going to McKenzie Q school. Just won a tournament in Quebec. I played with him. Another guy that's very good. He's a plus one. There was me and a guy with about a three handicap. On the very first hole at Copperhead, the kid, I mean, no one wants to hear more old guys describe how far young guys hit it. We'll just say this kid, (laughs) he hit it as far as you'd imagine a six foot eight human being can hit a golf ball. So I, you know, I hit an, I hit kind of a, you know, a 7 out of 10 drive for me on the first hole there. It's a par 5, and everybody is going for it. Well, this kid's going for it with an 8-iron or some stupid. Of course. But uh, everyone in, in my age group, the two other guys who are very good players, well, they've all hit better drives than me by about 20 yards, and they're going for the green. And I'm like, as I walked to my ball, no part of me, an older part of me would have been like, all right, and I had like 258 to the front, we were a little yeah. bit downwind. I probably could have fit it in there. But what I don't want to do is hit it in the water left or hit it in the bunkers right or hit it in that part right of the green that's a really tough up and down. So I go 8-iron, eight 8-iron, eight add about a 15-foot putt for birdie, lip it up, make par, and I go on to the next hole. That's exactly how I try and play the whole round. 
and I didn't make one par in the front nine. I made two bogeys. I shot 38, and everything was fine. Now, you know, the kid had some great holes, and the kid had some holes that were chaos. Uh, the point being, I'm now less self-conscious. I'm still self-conscious. But I didn't care what those guys thought of me going 8-iron-8. Eight, eight. I don't give a crap, to be honest with 100%. you. 100%. Yeah. And less chaos. Much you less know, and chaos. And so that speaks to why your scores aren't in this range. No. You know, they're kind of just more in this little uh, lovely... I don't know. It's like boring golf, which is great. I mean, low stress. I mean, that's great. You know, from and, and it's golf is um, a much more enjoyable game when you don't get into the chaos. Absolutely. But you know, here's an interesting question: the the chaos of thought is what leads to the chaos of you know execution. And Absolutely. as as you were uh, starting the uh, Zoom meeting, I was writing a couple notes, and I and I was. You know, after watching my brothers and, you know, this year's experience, I wrote, you know, decisions make the shot and decisions plus. So once you decide on a, on the right course of actions, action, the decision plus the execution is what equals score. So decisions make the sh- inform the shot you're going to hit to lay up or to uh, avoid a, a big number and Good decisions, I should say, I guess, plus execution is what equals score. You know, my older brother wanted to, you know, we were working on, he wanted to practice one day. We hung out all day. It was great. And when when we were on the golf course, I said, when you've got a, a tough chip, you know, that's, you know, a little bit dicey or to a near pin, you know, what what Henrik taught me is just, you know, just get it on the green. Even good players, you know, when you're in a tournament and you've got a, a little dicey, uh, you know, I could get it in there if I really, you know, maybe a, a little bit of a half uh, flop shot. You're just better off to hit it to 15 feet and and have a putt at par because most of the time, even at, you know, our level, it's as you just said, you it elevates you. You become a little bit activated and it increases your stress level. But if I told you all you had to do was land it 15 feet from the flag... He hit every chip for two days on the green, 15 or 20 feet, and some of them he made. But, yeah. but most of the time he made bogey, and that was the nice thing to observe is that, you know, you see that in action. And that really is what gathers a score, or a, as Doolin would say, you become a score farmer. Mm-hmm. I love that. That's such a great phrase. Um, it, I think it... It transcends golf. It goes into all kinds of things. When we're in a state of more, just more serene, more peaceful, more equanimity, we just perform better. We just have everything just kind of flows easier. There's a calmness that comes. And you think of anything that we do when, when we're at some kind of le- this level of kind of agitation or excitement, there's like a restlessness. And think about it in a, in a um, so apply restlessness, that feeling to hitting a you know a chip shot that that oh you got to get over this bunker and hope it catches this slope and goes down so there's a restlessness there's excitement joy and fear mm. well that's when you're going to cut off your backswing you're going to rush it you're going <laughs> to whatever all that stuff happens as opposed to making just a nice calm allow the club just to flow back and go through and it's just easier and 
you know, I'm just so going to try and keep that in mind at St. Thomas when we, oh gosh. Well, let's, uh, if you want to say, we can segue into that here if you'd like. Um, sure, sure. I just want to finish off with that. So the better decision you make, as Tim has described it, you know, your all your senses become a little less, I, 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 I was trying to think of the word elevated, activated. Um, there's a uh, tingly. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, there, I've used the word before, but now I can't remember it. It's like you get internally excited in not a great way. You get become. Anyway, I'll figure it out by the end of the show. But I think activated is a good word. Yeah, it, it is a good word. It's not the one I'm thinking of, but that doesn't matter. But as as we're describing here, uh, you pick a harder shot. You're going to tense up. The simple act, the simple thing is if you're trying to hit that just into the rough and have a dribble on and to a near pin, chances are you're going to two chip. And now you're getting, now you're trying to get it up and down for bogey. You know, lots of, you, you know, we all have made 12 and 15 foot putts. And as I said to my brother, you don't need to hit it one foot from the cup to get a par. You just need to hit it on the green and have a chance at a par. And as we've said since we started this show, you do those things correctly, I don't know, 33% of the time more, and you will break the four to six shot barrier easily. Yeah, you know, absolutely. just easily. So, Tim and Howard's excellent tournament adventure begins. We're recording this on Friday, October 2nd. I am going to, as soon as we're done, before I get in my car, I'm going to uh, send this file to Phil. And I'm just going to label it Tim and Howard's Excellent Tournament Adventure. Hopefully, he'll send it back to me by the time I get back, and I'll, and I'll post it today because I think people would be uh, fun for them to hear us talk about before the tournament. And then next week, maybe we can do a special edition after the tournament. Oh, yeah. Well, Ronan's dying to hear it. He goes, oh, really? <laughs> you're going you're gonna to talk about the tournament? Great. <laughs> so this is a tournament that they've been playing in St. Thomas, an amazing golf course. South, uh, cl- I guess it's close to Port Stanley, south of London. Uh, I, I closer to St. Thomas. St. Thomas, thank you. Wherever that is, it's still south of London. Yeah, there you go. It's a great golf course, great greens, oh. golf courses. Stanley Thompson. Yeah. Oh. And in other years, it's called the Early Bird because it's the first of the big invitationals that a lot of uh, players play in, uh, and it gets a great uh, field. This field uh, includes. Garrett Rank, who is, I, I think the last time I heard, in the top 100 amateurs on planet Earth. Mm-hmm. Uh, NHL referee, probably could have turned pro, but didn't. I mean, skill-wise, he could have. Uh, the great Charles Fitzsimmons, Eric Ross, a bunch of guys that I know, and, and some senior guys as well. But in this version of the early bird, which is the height of irony, because it's being played yes. in October, <laughs> uh, they're not... Usually they divide the uh, flights through handicap. In my case, I've always played in the championship flight. So playing from the back tees on this golf course isn't as unusual for me as it might be for you. Because in other years, you might have been flighted at a diff- on a different tees. Nevertheless, we're all playing the same tees. And uh, it's going to be cold and wet and we're old and tired. <laughs> and the course is long. The course is long. They lengthened it for the Ontario Amateur there a couple of years ago. And I had a conversation with Charlie Fitz a few days ago about the course and how I thought 
how he thought they were going to set it up. And? Well, I think, you know... I think they're not going to play it at the very back because it's gonna—it's a lot of work for everybody. Because that's seven thousand yards to yeah. out, isn't it? Like whoa. That being said, I, I would say you know six, because if you look at the courses that we played the mid am on, that's probably closer, probably sixty-six to sixty-seven fifty. So easily handleable, like handleable for you if you and Ronan played Scotch Block from the tips. I mean, you played it at thirty four fifty anyway. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. But the key f- before you, I, I, I want to get here. I want to know how you're feeling. But the key for you to remember is, um, you got to take into consideration that you know the pins won't always be at the back or the middle. So if it's a four hundred and seventy yard par four. It really is probably they'll play it at 450 in the pin. You know what I mean? Like, it's not... the. So I'm trying to say, and I'm not doing a very good job of it. Don't get caught up in the numbers of the hole. Because I've seen you hit a golf ball, and your distance is... You're fine. It's not like you hit it 190 off the tee. <clears throat> so first thing for you, I would say, is don't get too enamored with what the number is. Oh, I've totally... You know, I'm... Really, I look at some of those holes. I've looked at it. Uh, there's a decade thing that I've looked at. Ronan sent me. Um, I this morning I was doing the uh, the Google satellite thing, and really some of these par fours are like I think one is 470, uh, 450. You know, not that they're going to be playing that long, but I'm going to be playing them as just what. I, Par. I'm not going to pay attention to par. It's yeah. just not. Well, that's just, what I was going to tell you. It's just what the golf course <clears throat> presents me. So if it's going to be like okay, hybrid eight iron wedge or three wood wedge wedge, that's what I'm going with. Well, I'm glad you said that because <clears throat> you know, like the second hole that you played yesterday at Glen Karen is a 470 yard par four, and if the pins at the back and the winds into you, so you you can't go anywhere near those bunkers so lots of times like in our club championship you know i i blocked my drive there one day <clears throat> excuse me and i had three wood into the green and um you know what what i sometimes will play those holes uh leith field six is another one it's 472 pins at the yeah. back it's like 490 i play them like a par five exactly i play it like i'm gonna hit it this is really key i'm not gonna hit the best drive i can because in trying to, I have found playing a lot of mid-am competition, and, and I learned this lesson. It's not about keeping up with the kids, but sometimes with older guys like us, you try and, or you think you need to hit your best drive. You just need to hit an okay drive. And right. if an okay drive is, you know, 235 or 240 in the middle of the fairway, good. Because that's better than wailing away at it. And, and you know, because short and straight is fine. Short and crooked is always, <laughs> it's a, yeah, not, it's so a not a great formula. So Combination. I, <laughs> so I, I'll, I, I, I know the golf course a little bit. And, and to be honest with you, three or four of those holes account for the, the bulk of the distance. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. There's lots of holes for you and I that are short-ish par fours. That we will have no problem with. Mm-hmm. 
Hey, I want to ask you, just yes, sir. you reminded me, uh, 10. No, no, 9. 9. Um, so that's that could be driver, for gosh sakes, because it's uphill. I think it's 2.30. Yeah. They tip it out. Like, wow. Um, I'm thinking that, that might I might even play that like a par 4, for gosh sakes. Um, just hit a little, maybe I'm a right-hander, hit a fade up to that left side there, uh, chip on, walk away with bogey. Hey, I'd be happy with that. Four's not a bad score there. And and I, I agree. Like, if it's downwind, like, I, I remember the first year or second year I played it, you know, this was a few years ago, and I was still having to hit three irons and hybrids. You know, kids I'm playing with are hitting six iron. <laughs> but, uh, exactly. exactly. But, uh, you know, my uh, here's the, th- the, the other thing. I'm really thrilled that you wanted to play in it, because you were sort of saying you weren't sure. L- like, back to my T-shirt, of all the tournaments... That absolutely don't matter. This is one of them. What I mean by that is, it's not like there's going to be a bunch of guys sitting around. It's like you said, Mike Martz said to you. Basically, you're paying your green fee. You're going to go play St. Thomas for a couple of days. Super. You know? Exactly. You know, it really doesn't. Like I said to Rachel last night, you know, she's coming with me. We're going to spend the weekend there. Nice. And I said to her, you know, she loved this, by the way. I said, this really is less about the golf for me than it is about hanging out with you. So I said, you know, nah. other than going to the golf course, and I like, I like, I just wish the, like tomorrow the weather, I just looked at the forecast. So tomorrow the weather's going to be cold, but not bad. Sunday looks like it's going to be, you know, pretty gross, like pouring rain. And yeah. So I can't even tell you, um, like if it's really, really, really horrible on Sunday, I don't even know if I'm going to play. No, I hear you absolutely. <clears throat> if only because um, I'm a 60 year old man and I'm sore, <laughs> tired. <laughs> well, you know what? You, you reminded me just uh, a, a moment or so ago about um, you know considering whether I was going to play in it. So how it started was uh, Jim Waite, who's the uh, coach of the men's team for Western, sent out a note. Basically, they're looking for you know people to to enter the tournament. I thought, oh, why not? Why mm. not? Because I have a history with the early bird, which I can get into in a moment. That um, So I thought, okay, why not? And then um, I, uh, so I sent in my, I sent in my, uh, invita- whatever, I enrolled. <laughs> Application, I think, is the word you're looking for. Yeah, yeah, thank you. But yeah, six-year-old people in their seven. By the way, decade. the word I was searching for earlier was stimulated. Stimulated. Great word. Well, hey, just as like my mom says, you get over 50 and you lose your nouns. Mm. Adjectives, verbs, we have nouns we lose. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, so I get a note back saying there's no, uh, it's just championship flight this year. So I asked one of the the, uh, the players on my team, Jack Ferguson, uh, send me the scorecard, please. I looked 7,007 yards. I went, yeah. whoa. Does an old guy like me? Do I want to play this, you know, with kids? And oh, I could shoot a million. And then it just dawned on me, went, oh man, you're getting caught up in your own story. You know, I, the whole thing about, and again, who cares? This is just going to be a great experience. Uh-huh. And when I got my head around that, that, and this is so, you know, as a coach, you, spiritual leader, the reason we, we do this because. 
we go, we've gone through and we continue to go through the same things that our clients and our friends and our listeners go through is the stories, the, the belief systems. We get activated, stimulated. Stimulated. And I just went, wait a sec. That's all just ego nonsense. I don't care. I'm going to go out and I'm going to have fun. And because here we are, it's an amazing, like, people don't understand how good St. Thomas is. It is a hidden gem. Yeah. If you've not played it, folks, it's just, it's, Ronan calls it Augusta of the North. You know, it's funny. (laughs) I think the first time I met Ronan was there. Might have been. Yeah. It's so, so good. When I first played it, I came home. Uh, this was I, I think I played it 2014, and I remember telling somebody if that golf course was an hour closer to Toronto, everyone would play it. Oh, and the price to join would be no, it's ridiculous out of, out of this world. It's so so good. Um, um, but I think it, I, I'm glad you're going to play it, and and I you know you want to talk about zero expectations. You know, I think I, I, I it's funny I I was because I called the golf course this week to ask him a question about. You know, tee boxes. Where, where are they going to have any? And there's and I so I was talking to the general manager, and I said I have a gift certificate from two years ago. Oh, <laughs> for, great! I think I finished uh, third or fourth in in the B flight, <clears throat> whatever the first flight is. Hang on a second. Hang on, everybody. Let me just mute you. All right, my mor- my morning voice is starting to wear off. But uh, I said, uh, hey, I've got a gift certificate for the pro shop. He's like, yeah, bring it on in. Um, Rob Mason. Yeah. Good man. Now, yeah. so, but as far as expectations go, you know, I'm going to have Rachel drop me off, going to go to the golf course for five hours, and she's going to pick me up, and then we're going to hang out in the area and just kind of, you know, enjoy ourselves. While I'm on the golf course, you know, I want to do, I want to do the best I can. And if the best I can do is 87, I don't care. Yeah. You know, like, absolutely. <laughs> there'll be, um, Lots of guys younger than us, longer than us, and potentially better than us that will score way high on that golf course. They just will. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, my goal I can always share with you, and I, and I you know, like I tell anybody that I, I work with, you know, if you can... The one nice thing about having it be a bit cooler there and a little bit wet there is it will slow the greens down. Because the greens... Oh, yeah. Like, here we have these two guys, Tim and Howard, you know, going to be playing 470-yard par fours. And then you get to the green, and it's like, sometimes it's hard to not three-putt. So my goal is to try and limit my higher numbers to, Mm -hmm. like, if I could get away with just a bogey, I'd be very happy. And I said to myself, you know, I know the course well enough that I've... If I can get around just making bogeys, even if it's nothing but bogeys in the odd par, I'd be happy. You, you, know? you know, man, that that is my exact thing too. If I'm making bogeys, I'm happy. You know, it just really, it's like it's like yesterday, Scotch block. You know that what four seventy par four. I blocked my drive. I hit like a seven iron, and then hit a gap wedge to fifteen feet. Nice. I just missed. Walk away. Soft bogey. I'm soft happy bogey with that. all day. And that that'll be great. But the thing that I want to just before we wrap up, today, we got ten minutes. Yeah, is, is the one thing I just wanted to convey to our listeners is the history of of that golf course and and of that tournament. It it is you go in that grill room, if you will, mm-hmm. 
and you just look at the plaques on the wall, and you see the names, uh, you see Canadian golf history on those walls. Uh, Mo Norman, uh, Gary Cowan, uh, Nick Westlock. Uh, Garrett Rank has won it. Hasn't he won the early bird? Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, I think our Charles has as well. Charles has. And, and <clears throat> did Mike Weir win it? I don't know yep. if he did or not. But anyways, so you look at that. First couple times I walked in there, because our university, uh, university golf team plays there every year in the Western Invitational. And I just say to the guys, just soak this in. And the pictures on the walls, all, it's, it's just amazing. And just so I'm going to use that as a little bit of a segue that um, I have history with that course with my dad. Um, I caddied for my dad in the early bird. Um, I think I was like, I don't know. I could be anywhere from 12 to 15. I'll tell you a short story. I'll try and keep it brief. Yeah, come well, take your time, man. Well, that so I'm going to caddy for my dad in the early bird, and and at the time I think my dad was anywhere from a five to a seven. So my dad's a good player, and so I remember going to um, Thames Valley Golf Course because they had a little area, and he worked on his pitching. Mm. So we went there, and uh, and then we got to the golf course, and I think we spent more time on the range. And so my dad was really seriously preparing. <laughs> yeah. And he gets on that first tee, and what's he do? Hits a worm burner. <laughs> he just, you know, right off, right, you know, off the ground. Mm. And it went downhill from there. It, just, <laughs> and it started I, bad and got worse. Oh, yeah. I don't know what hole it was, but I remember him hitting into one bunker and then sculling it over into another bunker, sculling it back into the same bunker. And then we went to a sort of a family picnic uh, in Springbank Park, and uh, I think I brought some golf clubs, and I think I was standing over a shot, and I, it, like I was going to just chip or something. And my dad says, "Let me show you something." Then he goes, "Who am I kidding? I don't know how to play." This. <laughs> <laughs> I think he went and opened up another beer and sat at the picnic table and just sort of hung his head. <laughs> that so is hilarious, poor guy. Um, you know, and and that's part of what my dad's. Uh, baggage as a golfer he was just the consummate tinkerer he was always working on his game and that helped him become a good player but the cost of that was that when he would you know all pressure is self-imposed he just couldn't settle himself down and to use that word that you came up with yeah he was too stimulated yeah um and that's what it does to us uh, that's why I wish I could have. And by the way, I love that story. It's such a great, you know. You know, when when I first started playing tournament golf again, it was in the spring of 2014. I had not played a GAO or in our case, we used to call it the OGA. That's how old yeah. I am. <laughs> I hadn't played tournament golf in a long time. And I'd forgotten, you know, what that does in terms of your stimulation. Yeah, I qualified for the Ontario Mid-Am, I think, at Lambton. It was 2015. And I had a good qualifier, so I must have shot somewhere in the mid-70s in a qualifier. But I got to that tournament, and it was too much stimulation for me. It was banners and past champion pictures and, uh, you know, cordoned off, roped off area player and caddy only. It was just too much for me. Oh, yeah. I saw all these guys I used to play tournament golf with and some people I sort of knew. And I was intimidated, and I shot 92. 
And I uh, came back the next day, and I think I shot 82, and uh, I missed the cut. But it had reminded me the the heightened, the elevated feelings. And, you know, even I, the first time I played the early bird, I got up in that first hole, and, it, you know, it sort of goes downhill. And, and I just was, you know, sort of so nervous. And I thought about that first tee shot tomorrow and how a few years later now I... It'll be stimulating, but not quite as much. You know, I've played in the Canadian Senior Am, so I know what it feels like to be a little bit nervous and trembling on the first tee. And, you know, my advice to me and my advice to you is, you know, like, like a, it doesn't really matter, so just enjoy it. You're going to be playing, I, I think you're playing in a twosome. Uh, I'm playing in a threesome. You know, just some guys were going out and playing St. Thomas on a Saturday morning. Yeah. Because I guarantee you, no one's looking for us in our group. Who's leading? Is it Tim? No one's going to care. Exactly. Jeez, I had, I had, uh, I had, I had Howard in the in the uh, paramutuals. That's right. I really thought Tim and Howard were going to take it this weekend. <clears throat> but like, I, 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 it's for, for me. Uh, my goal is really. Like, I've played all the tournament. I've had some good tournaments this year. I've played well. So my goal is to make sure that uh, Rachel is happy. That I, I told her as soon as I get home from the course, just let me close my eyes for 10 minutes. And then we'll go pottery shopping or whatever it is you want to do. Get some knickknacks. <laughs> cool. But uh, Yeah, we'll go whatever you people are up to. I'll go with you. Um, she sort of looked at me like, what do you mean? I'm not going to do it. Hey, I, I got my brother Pat catting for me. Um, you have a caddy? I have a caddy. Both yeah. days? Um, I think it depends on how it goes Saturday. Man, I'll tell you what, I'd love to have it. I mean, I might get her to come and caddy for me on Sunday so that she can share the misery of playing in a light rain. Well, you know what? I had actually, <clears throat> uh, Sandy and I played, uh, well, I played a great course near Lakefield about three weeks ago. And Sandy walked the back nine with me. Yeah. It was so nice just to walk. It was like a different experience to, yep. to be walking with my beloved and just enjoying the hitting a shot and just chatting about whatever we want, but just enjoying a nice walk outside. And that's and you know what? I, a real quick segue. I am. It so bothers me that. The city of Toronto, you got counselors who want to close these munis because golf's elitist. And oh my gosh, golf provides so much benefits, particularly to uh, to particularly older people, people of all incomes. And people are thinking of taking that away because golf, there's so many health benefits from it. You know, community and just connection, all that stuff. You know, the 2018, I guess I'd met her in 20. So 2018, we went to Victoria, <clears throat> where I also played in a tournament with Garrett Rank. And um, I wasn't going to make the cut, and I told her the next day, why don't you come and just walk the, the back nine? I said, I want you to see this property. It's stunning. And sure enough, uh, I had a caddy, but I just walked beside her for the last nine holes at the Victoria Golf Course, and it was great. Pardon me. I think I'm going to say, to say, listen, if you want to get dressed warmly and just hang around with me for nine holes, you know, yeah, it's a, it's a great experience. My gosh. Um, one thing, too, before we uh, finish today is. Is uh, Mo Norman. Yeah. The early bird was Mo's first tournament. He was uh, that he won. He was about 20 years old. Wow. And legend has it that he wore running shoes that could be apocryphal, mm. like not real. 
uh, and that so Mo and I think he shot something like a sixty nine. Wow! I remember Mo telling me this. He goes, "Little red haired guy, skinny kid, shoots a sixty nine, and then." <laughs> so I think he was out kind of early. He wasn't a known entity at the time, and so by the time that the trophy presentation came around, no Mo. <laughs> <laughs> He he was probably already back in Kitchener because right. he would hitchhike the tournaments. Wow! And he was because he wouldn't, you know, for the, when he was an amateur, doing speeches have scared the living crap out of him. No, I right. That's one of that's another one of the the great Mo legends is is uh, the early bird again. What makes it such a fantastic tournament with history is that. Mo, that was Mo Norman's first uh, big tournament victory, and then he won it again two, three, or so years later. And uh, again, it's like you get guys like Gary Count, like the the level of players who show up for that. So I'm gonna have you know. So I got history with my dad. I got uh, the Mo stuff going on. Um, all that stuff, I'm going to have to be... That, that's going to be playing in the background of my mind. And I'm just going to have to say, okay, kids in the back of the room there, just simmer <laughs> down. Although, you know what? I, I think that's a great, you know, a, a nice thing for you to carry with you as you play tomorrow. Um, text me when you're done tomorrow. I want to, wanna, you know, catch we'll up with out. you. Well, Ronan uh, and I, are, our, our plan is... Uh, so Ronan's two groups after me. And, but you guys uh, are an hour hang- before me. Okay, yeah, well, we're going to hang out. We're going to just probably walk around and watch the, uh, the what do you call them, the, the, the top groups or whatever. God. Well, not listen, gonna I'm going to be done. So if you're still there when I'm done, say hi, because I'm going to get done, and then I'm leaving because I've got a girlfriend. I'm going to go play that course after. Um, make sure that I'm going to say make sure the I don't mean that in a nefarious way. I'm just going to make sure that she's okay. Yeah. That's my goal. I'm going to wrap things up here. The music's playing. Hey, everyone, thanks for uh, listening. Hope this was uh, informative. And uh, thanks to uh, our new uh, our fan, Phil, our friend uh, Ronan, our friends at TaylorMade, the Brothers Glassman, uh, and Tim O'Connor. Tim dot, uh, you know, I'm sorry, it's another Tim. Uh, what is it? O'ConnorGolf.ca. And listen to the Humble and Fred show, people. Humble and Fred Radio.com. All right, we'll see you soon. We'll see you soon.